Father, it's with this attitude that we come to you, with these words still ringing, that you alone are the one who deserves all the glory, and you alone are the one who deserves all the praise. That's our desire. That's what we want to be today, a people who believe that from our hearts and not just say it with our mouths, that we would live lives that truly radiate the glory of God in every way. And yet, Lord, we come to you today and even individually, we know that that is not true in our lives. We are not in a place of saying and sitting here today saying, I have lived in perfect obedience this past week. God has been perfectly manifested in my life in every possible way. That's, that's not true for any of us. The reality is, Lord, we are fallen, we are broken, we are still suffering under the effects of our sin. We still do what is against the glory of God. And that is why we pray right now, Lord, for your spirit to be moving in our hearts, please. To be moving and drawing our hearts and minds back to you and your glory, Lord, today. We confess, God, that the things of this world, we confess, God, that the news of this world, we confess, God, that the circumstances in our own individual lives and in our families' lives and in our workplaces and with our kids and with our spouses and with our government have distracted us and pulled us away from the glory of God. And what we need right now, Lord, What we most need right now is not fixes on all of those things. What we need right now is the glory of God in our lives. So, Lord, can we please ask again, knocking on the door again, Lord, please, would your spirit move in our hearts Would we taste again the goodness of our God? Would we lift our hearts again to the glory of who we are, of who you are? And Lord, would we follow after you now? Please lead us, Lord, from the heart. That's why we pray. We can't change it. You must, please. And that you would lead us even through your spirit as we go through your word now. As a people of God, we pray this in Jesus' awesome name. Amen. Amen. Well, thankful to be here today. As uh, Matt mentioned, I am from Oakville and um, so glad to be uh, coming alongside and encouraging your church here today with God's word. And that word encouragement, I'm going to go back to several times. Uh, I am joined by uh, some of our pastoral residents here today, which you'll see up at front after the service. So I'm really thankful to be here today with them. And uh, my wife, Catherine, and our family also sends you greetings also. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but this church has had a special place in my heart uh, for about 15 years. My first connection with the fellowship that is now GCC and this church, my first connection ever with them was back in Chicago about 15 years ago when I started hearing about the Lord beginning a work here in Markham and got to speak with some people at that point. It's really exciting to come in every now and again and be invited back to your church. Uh, This church also holds a special place in my heart because the last time I was here, the device that I preached from, my iPad, froze on me. 
and I prayed in the middle while talking to you and stalling while my iPad rebooted. So moment of transparency there. We're hoping that that does not happen again here today. But all that to say, I'm so thankful to be here today and in God's word with you here today. So you've got a copy of Acts 16 open in front of you. Just want to remind you that the book of Acts is all about the unstoppable power of God. You know, the book is titled The Acts of the Apostles, but it really is the acts of the Holy Spirit. It is the acts of God's unstoppable power as he advances his church with ease and in opposition, with comfort and suffering, with triumph and pain, God moves his church forward. Jesus promises right at the beginning of the book that his disciples would declare him in the city of Jerusalem and then beyond in the province of Judea and then in the province neighboring in Samaria and then to the ends of the world. This message of the gospel is going viral, but viral in a good way. And nothing will stop the gospel. And when the Holy Spirit would fall upon believers and he would empower the believers, they stand and they declare the Lord Jesus Christ and thousands and thousands and thousands come to know him. And the gospel cannot be stopped. And it will change life after life. And the religious authorities cannot stop it. And the Roman imperial authorities, they can't stop it. And the angry mobs with men and the mocking cries and the imprisonments and even the beatings continue. And yet... These men, empowered by the Holy Spirit, risking their lives for the message of Jesus Christ. And why is that? Because they know it's true. And because the gospel cannot be stopped. And life after life after life comes to the kingdom. And the gates of hell fall as life bursts across the planet. And hope surges to the hopeless. And the lost are found and the weak find strength. And the sinner is saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, the book of Acts reads like an action movie. And the drumbeat of the book that goes over and over and over again is this. Jesus wins. Lives are saved. Nothing stops the gospel. And now we come to Acts chapter 16. I want you to see this today. I want you to see the church encouraged. And we use that word encouraged sometimes a lot, but it comes to us, this, oh, hello, light. This word comes to us from a French word which is rooted in the word cœur. And if you're French-speaking, you know that that word means heart. So the word encouragement means to literally give heart to someone. That's where we're going today in God's word. God's word is going to pour for us a giant glass of heart that we can drink down today. Courage, real courage is waiting for us in God's word if you are willing to drink this down today. And listen, this is not some kind of work harder, try better, do more kind of encouragement. Now this courage, this encouragement we receive today is entirely found from the Lord. As you see the Lord correctly, your heart becomes encouraged. It's not trying harder, it's seeing clearly. Here's the thing, when God's word is calling us to, is to be encouraged by looking at the unstoppable, incomparable power of our God today. That's the direction of today's message. I don't know if you're encouraged by that already, like 
Today, in God's Word, we're going to look at the unstoppable power of God. All right now, let's do this. I want you to be encouraged because there's no one like our God. Here's the thing. I'm almost at the text, I promise. Hold on with me. Uh, We're going to get three remarkable stories of them all pointing to the awesome power of God. They're really three notches in God's belt of glory. All of them bringing us encouragement. So here we go. Verse by verse, beginning in verse 16. Let's go through the text. I'll pause and explain as we go, okay? Verse 16 says this. And as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. Okay, pause there for a second. I want you to remember some of the context of the passage that we're in. We are currently right now in the text in the city of Philippi. Philippi is a proud, proud Roman colony. And it is filled with Roman soldier retirees. It is a popular place for them to go if they're wealthy, if they have money. It's like Florida, okay? They go there because it's a beautiful place with, filled with Roman generals and Roman soldiers retired, Roman counselors retired, not a synagogue anywhere in sight. It's proudly Roman, even though it's in Philippi. So let me put it this way. If the Philippian hockey team was playing the Roman hockey team they wouldn't know who to cheer for. They'd probably cheer for the Romans more. And Paul and Silas have been there for a week now, we know from the text, and they've run into this slave girl. Now in the Greek, the word for girl there just means little girl, a little thing, probably no older than eight years old, and she has a spirit of divination in her, we're told. What does that mean? It means that in some way, A demon has possessed this little girl. And now she has the ability to tell the future. Can I ask you, would there be any reason why being possessed and controlled by an evil spirit, could could there be any reason why this would be a good thing? Well, her owners think so. Because she's a business venture. And it isn't true throughout history that religion, religion is often used as a business venture. With little care for people and more care for people's money. She's a human being that is owned by other human beings and they make money off of her. So here we have a little girl who should be protected, who should be cherished, who should be nourished, who should be loved, and instead is being victimized. Her pain, their profit. And we know, don't we, that if it wasn't fortune-telling for this little girl, it would be something different. And nobody cares. Day after day in Philippi, she brings in the money to the owners and lives with a demon. And nobody cares. But today is going to be different. Because today is the day that Paul and Silas take note. And today is the day that the Lord is going to demonstrate his power in this little, seemingly forgotten girl's life. Watch the story, verse 17. 
She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men. Picture a little girl's voice, okay? These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. What's happening? You're witnessing a demon trying to stop the Most High God by drowning out the message of the Most High God. Can't contradict Jesus, can't speak against the gospel because it's true, so you might as well agree over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Okay, we get it. Drown it out. Just keep going and going and going and hope people laugh and maybe walk away. Can't beat it, so I'll drown out God. Yeah, let's see how that, let's see how that works out for you, demon. Verse 18. And she kept doing this for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, not at the girl, right, but the demon. How do I know? Look at the Bible. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that very hour. No more. No more. No more. In the name of Jesus, no more torturing this little girl. Get out. And at once, the text tells us, the awesome power of the living God thunders onto the scene. Look at the power. Look at the power, church. This is the omnipotent God at work. And you get this, right? This is not Paul's win. This is God's win. Let me ask you this, and this is point number one for us today. Who is like our God who brings freedom out of slavery? Long held in bondage, victimized by evil, hurting in pain, wanting it to be over, this girl is freed in the name of Jesus Christ by the awesome power of the omnipotent God. And why is that? Because you cannot stop God. Because there is no one like our God. And let me tell you this right now. Just as Jesus Christ had mercy on this little girl, he can free you from every single one of your enslavements also. Listen, there is no chain that Jesus Christ cannot snap in a second in your life. Let me say that again slowly. There is no chain in your life right now that Jesus Christ cannot snap in a second. Feel like you're being held in bondage? Victimized by evil, hurting, pain, wanting it to be over? What is it for you? What is the evil that holds you in place? What evil do you hold on to even, but want gone from your life? What lifestyle, what behavior, what affection, what controlling emotion in your life, what fear, what anxiety, what self-centered focus, what addiction, what idle thought that keeps coming back to your head that nobody sees, what activity that you do that nobody sees. What is it for you that you feel like you can't get out of? Jesus has mercy for you because he has mercy for all of us. And there's no chain that Jesus can't snap in a second. You know what I see here in these first three verses that we've looked at? I see a prison break of sorts. A little girl imprisoned by a powerful spirit, freed by the hands of an awesome God. Do you know what you need to see in this passage? 
the truth that God can free you from every bondage you face. No addiction too great. No sin too controlling. No behavior too shameful. The Lord can snap those chains. You can't stop him. There's nobody like him. Real courage is found looking to the omnipotent God. You need to be encouraged because the Lord is stronger than any chain you face. He frees us from bondage, but there's more. We've got another prison break to look at. Let's read the next scene. We'll read it all at once. Verse 19. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews, and they're disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or to practice. Verse 22, the crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. And then verse 24, having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Uh-oh. Bad news. You see the chain of events, right? Little girl freed, money gone, now we're mad. Amazing the reactions you get when the money goes away. Seized the disciples, dragging them into the center of the town. Jewish troublemakers in the proud Roman village. They're messing with us. They're trying to make us Jewish. We're Roman The crowd turns. Leadership following the crowd also turns. Garments torn. Soldiers and ex-soldiers beat them with rods. That's a professional beating they're getting. Many blows thrown into prison. But in the innermost part, in the darkest place, they're chained. Hurt. Clothes hanging off of them, bloodied, and then chained. Can you imagine what that's like? But look with me at verse 25. Every reason to complain, right? Every reason to quit, every reason to roll over and give up. Darkest part of the night, darkest part of the prison, darkest valley of the souls. But there is a song in the shadows because God is there. Watch verse 25. About midnight. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. What's going on here? (laughs) How are these beaten men singing songs? How are they praising God in the midst of this? How are men who are sitting in the darkest place with no light praising God when they should be in despair, when they should be wincing from the wounds they've received. How is this happening? Well, I'll tell you why. Because these men haven't lost anything that's valuable to them. Why do people sing? Well, people sing when there's a reason to sing, right? 
You don't go around singing happy songs at a funeral. You struggle in your heart. Maybe silence in your home for a few days. Turn that noise off. I can't listen to the song right now. But you sing when there's a reason to sing. And a joy fills your heart. These men sing in the shadows because you can't touch their light. And that's why we sing even in the darkest parts because you cannot touch what is most precious to us. They've been seized by a mob. They've been beaten by soldiers. They've been shackled in a dark prison and yet none of that has touched their reason to sing. That's what's happening here and that takes us to point number two in our outline today. Church, we can find real courage by looking to our God knowing that there is no one like him. But then this secondly, who is like our God who brings worship out of pain, out of pain? No, Paul and Silas have not lost anything because you cannot take Jesus away from these men. And you can't take Jesus away from you and you can't take him away from me. Paul and Silas have not lost anything and Neither have you or I in Christ. And neither will you or I in Christ. No matter what you face, no matter what's coming down the pipeline at you this week, this day, this month, this year, no matter even if you know what it is or don't know what it is, no matter what the heart-wrenching trial or pain is that you're facing or the concern about the future that you're facing, nothing and no one is going to take Jesus away from you. We sing in the shadows because you can't touch our light. And that's the reason to sing. No less God within the shadows. Two quick applications for you today. Just real quick in the middle of the sermon. Are you singing these days? Is your life a song to Jesus even in the midst of difficult times? And then maybe secondly, maybe the more painful one. Who is watching you sing? Or who is watching you not sing? You see, their faith was on display. For Paul and Silas, the prison is listening to them. Who's listening to you, sing or not sing? Your kids? Your spouse? Your friends? Your coworkers? Listen, be encouraged. The Lord is stronger than any chain. And the Lord brings light into any darkness. Now verse 26. Watch where the weapon of worship leads them. Watch the power of God. You can beat us with sticks. You can drag us into the public court. You can accuse us. You can yell at us. You can throw a virus at me. Okay? You can take my job away from me. You can threaten my future. You can bring uncertainty into my life. But my God controls the entire earth. Nothing stops him. You ready for this? You ready? Verse 26. Ooh, this is going to be good. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately the doors were open, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. That's a second prison break, if you weren't watching that. Another trophy, another notch on God's belt. Number one, the slave girl. Number two, Paul and Silas. But number three is coming. 
And number three is the best one yet. Verse 27. When the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we're all here. Now listen, this is lost to us through culture and time, but soldiering is serious stuff, regardless of where you live and when you live. And soldiering in the Roman world is very, very serious stuff, especially in the Roman city of Philippi, filled with ex-generals and ex-soldiers. It's a big deal. You do it wrong, you fail in your role, you lose your life. That's how it goes. When you do it wrong, and you know you failed in your role, and you know you're going to lose your life, you take your own life so that your family doesn't have to deal with the consequences and the shame and also be killed. And that's why what the jailer is doing here is, or at least he's trying to do in this scene, except that a voice calls out. Paul's voice. It's dark, right? Remember, it's really dark. He can't see, but he can hear words of hope coming from the prison, from Paul. Do not harm yourself. We're all here. From despair comes hope. And this is really point number three. Who is like our God, who brings life out of death. Look at verse 29. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do? To be saved. He's trembling with fear. That's interesting, right? All of his prisoners are there. Why are you so afraid? Because he knows the earthquake has pointed him to something bigger. Something else is going on here that's making this man truly afraid. In fact, it's the actual first mention of the man being afraid within the text. He wasn't afraid when he thought they were free. But now he's afraid, knowing that they're still there. What's going on? I'll tell you what's going on. He's witnessed the astonishing power of God, and the man is stricken with deepest fear. He's been face to face with a God who can do anything, and now he's terrified. A God who can send targeted earthquakes to free his people from chains, who cares enough to free a little eight-year-old girl. And this big, strong jailer is terrified. Now real despair comes into his voice, and he says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? My whole life has been turned upside down. I realize I'm not in control. I see now that there is a God who fights for his people, and I am not one of his people, which means he's fighting against me. And the recognition of the power of God meets with the recognition of his sin and his wrongdoing. And the man cries out for mercy. What can I do to be saved? Who can save me? Please tell me. Maybe some of you listening to this right now are wondering what's coming next. Maybe some of you watching are wondering what's coming next. You're here for this moment, maybe. Some of you. Lord, would you please open eyes 
to see. Maybe you've lived a life just like everyone around you. All your life, you've heard that you can do anything if you just work hard for it. That if you put in the effort, you'll see the reward. And yeah, you've done some things that you're proud of. Yeah, you've also done some things you're not really proud of. But you look around at people around you and you're thinking, well, I'm not as bad as that person. Yeah, maybe I'm not as good as that person, but I'm not like that guy. Sure, you're no saint, but you're not awful, right? All your life, though, you've longed to be something more, be a part of something greater. Searching maybe for love, even in family or relationships or even online, but it never seems to be enough. It's never really what you thought it would be. The family isn't perfect. The relationships fail. And online, well, that's something different altogether. You want more, though. That's why you live. That's why you hold on to hope, even on the days you don't want to hope. You want a life that people will remember. You want a life that actually counts for something. You want to be loved. You want to be seen. You want to feel like you matter. And you do matter. You do matter enormously. But maybe not in the way that you've always thought. You do matter not because you've got the looks, not because you have the ability or the connections or the family or the friendship or the loves in your life. You matter for something more. And maybe this season has been really, really confusing for you these past two years as things that you have loved and things that you have chased after have been pulled away from you and you are seeing that they really didn't really matter all that much and, 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 and that the life that you're living is not really the life that you dreamed that you'd be living. The, the relationships aren't all that. The friendships aren't all that. The, the stuff that you've got in your life that really don't matter all that much. And you also realize at the same time that you're really not actually in control. Ancient Philippi was no different. And that's why Paul and Silas came there to tell the amazing good news that Jesus Christ had come. That Jesus Christ, the Son of God, had died for the sins of the world. And that his work in his death, in his life, in his resurrection, bring the answers to every question of the human heart that you're asking maybe even here today. Asking the question, but I want to be loved. You are loved by a God who gave his life for you. No greater love than this. You say, I want my life to matter. Well, it does matter so much that God gave his son for you. You matter not because of the looks you have or the ability you have or the connections you have, the friends you have, the loves you have. You matter because God says you matter. God made you and God loves you. You matter because of who you are to him. You say, well, I want to be something more. Well, there is something more. There's something more than just the life or the career or the pursuits or the stuff that you have. Your life was meant for something far greater. Your life was meant to center on the great and awesome God now and into eternity. You say even, but I'm so ashamed of what I've done. Listen, but God loved you so much that even when you were in your sin, he died for you. 
to free you from this kind of shame and this kind of guilt that you feel here even today. And maybe you need to hear this for the first time, and maybe you need to hear this again today for you, believer in Jesus Christ, who've lost your way. Now look at these words. Or listen to them. John chapter 1 says this beautiful phrase, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And you, maybe you have come to the same spot the Philippian jailer is in right now, asking, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Or maybe as a follower of Christ already, having lost your way, you're jumping back into the narrative and hearing this again because you need to hear it again. What must I do to be saved from this thing I've been living? Verse 31. And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Believe in Jesus. Not believe that he existed, but believe who he is. Not just the facts, but a trust in Christ. A turning away from what you have relied upon to turn towards the living God. And he will save you, it says, from your sins. Not your work, but his work. It's that simple. But it will cost you. Jesus asks you for your life to give you so much more than you can imagine. The jailer finds life. Now verse 32. It's not just the jailer. Notice. And they spoke the word. What's the word? The same message of Jesus. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them, the jailer and his household, the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. That's the, oh, so they're washing Paul and Silas. And he was baptized as once, the jailer, he and his family. Then the jailer, he brought them up to the house and set food before them. And he rejoiced with his entire household that he had believed in God. Okay, quickly now. I want you to see quickly the fruit of a changed life. First, you see godly grief, right? We're told the man is trembling with fear. We're told he begs Paul and Silas to tell him how to be saved. And this godly grief in him produces a repentance that leads to salvation in his life. God breaks the heart before he can remake the heart. That's always God's way. And maybe his way with you right now. There's a godly grief that rises first. Look at how I've lived. Look at what I've lived for. Look at what I've chased after. All my life or maybe even just these past two years. Look at what I've run after. There's a godly grief that produces a godly repentance. The jailer repents of the wrong that he has done. He's turned away and turned towards something. Verse 33, we're told that he washes his wounds. Oh, yeah, right. Paul and Silas were pretty beat up. And then he puts food in front of them. There's a godly grief, a godly repentance, and then there's a godly obedience. He was baptized at once, he and his whole family. As he and his whole family hear the message, he and his whole family believe, and he and his whole family get baptized. Not waiting around for the perfect moment, not i got to fix my life perfectly. No, I'm going to choose to obey right now. I got that, I need to do, I need to do it right now. I know what I need to do, I need to do it right now. What a night. 
Godly grief, godly repentance, godly obedience, which leads to godly joy. He rejoices, verse 34 says, with his whole household. It's all in one night. What a night! The man went from beating two men to almost killing himself to real terror in the face of God to forgiveness and life and hope and mercy and salvation in Jesus Christ and now joy all in one night. Why is that? Well, because verse 34, he had believed in God. Who is like our God? Who brings life out of death? And here's the encouragement piece, church. Be encouraged, because God can save anyone. Be encouraged. God can transform a heart at any time. Even your heart right now that maybe has wandered far from him. Consider again, you have a jailer who was beating followers of Jesus. One of whom is Paul, a man who condoned the murder of followers of Jesus. And all of this is taught to you today by a man that stands in front of you who was once a blasphemer, an insolent man. Now you go ahead and tell me that God can't save anybody. You go ahead and tell me that your husband is too hard of a heart. You go ahead and tell me that your kids are too far from him. You go ahead and tell me that you are a hopeless case because I will tell you, look at what God's word is giving you today. Look at the encouragement and the hope that you have in him today. Be encouraged, church. He can save any life. He's stronger than any chain. He's brighter than any darkness. And he's strong enough to save anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus. Now look at the end. Look at the end. Verse 35. This gets a little comical. Brace yourself. But when it was day, the magistrates sent to the police saying, let those men go. You know, they're troublemakers. So let's just kick them out of town and we'll fix the jail and we'll control the population. Let's let them go. They, they can go now. Oh, my word. We've had this earthquake. Things are broken down. Let them go. We need to put the rubble back together. Verse 36. And the jailer reported the words to Paul saying, well, the magistrates have let you go. So you can come out now. Where are they? They're still in jail. They sat in jail again. You can come out now, and you can go in peace. But then Paul said to them, well, they've beaten us publicly, uncondemned or innocent men, men who are, brace yourself for this, Roman citizens. And all God's people said, because <gasps> I'll tell you this, you don't beat Roman citizens without charge. The mayor didn't know that they were Roman citizens. Oh, boy. And they've thrown us in prison, and now they throw us out secretly. No, you know what? Let them come themselves to take us out. See, in the Roman Empire, a soldier does his job. That's as serious as a heart attack. In the Roman Empire, equally serious, you do not beat citizens without a trial without a very good cause, because if you do that, you know what can happen? A Roman legion can be sent into your town, and they could burn it to the ground. The police reported these words to the magistrates, and, verse 38, they were very afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. Sadly, 
The magistrates were more afraid that they were Roman citizens than they were citizens of heaven, but nonetheless, they're remorseful. There's a worldly grief, verse 39. So they came and apologized to them, and they took them out, and they asked them to leave the city. <laughs> Please, can you go? Look at the last verse, verse 40. So they went out of the prison, and then they visited Lydia. Who was Lydia? Lydia was the first convert in the city earlier in chapter 16. We'll say goodbye to her. And then you know what? We're going to see the brothers in the city other followers of Christ, and we want to encourage you. And then they departed. I wonder how they encouraged them. I think you know how they encouraged them, right? Paul and Silas, tell us what happened. Let us tell you what happened. Let us tell you of a God who can break any chain. That no bondage is too strong for my God's hands. Let me tell you about a God who is brighter than any darkness. In the middle of the prison cell, we felt his presence and his power. And let us tell you of a God who can save anyone, even the jailer. Let us tell you of our God. There is nobody like him. Church, I can think of no better way to encourage you today, to encourage us today, than to remind us of a God who can do such things. Who is like our God? who brings freedom out of slavery, who is like our God who brings worship even in the midst of pain, who is like our God who brings life out of death? And the answer to those three questions is, there's no one like our God. Let me pray for us. You, Lord, are awesome in holiness, majestic in glorious deeds, doing wonders. There is no one like you. Your person and your work are beyond compare. You are greater and higher and holier than we can imagine. And yet you love us. And yet you gave your life for us. And yet you call us now in faith to come running to you. So Lord, for two kinds of hearts here today, the first is the heart who's never heard this. The heart who feels so distant from their God. Convicted and convinced of their wrongdoing, they are leaning in, but they don't know how to get to you. Lord, I pray that you would make plain to them that it's by grace through faith that they are saved here today. Maybe sitting here, maybe watching at home. It is not their own works. It is only by grace through faith, trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior can they be saved. Lord, I pray that you'd be working that repentance in their hearts and leading them by faith to you, Lord, that there would really be light in this place. That this day, today, in February 2022, would be the brand new day of life for someone. But I also pray, God, for the other kinds. Those who are in Christ and who have wandered far from you and have been enticed through the things of the world or the cares of this world or the concerns of this world or their own life or the trippings and trappings of their own sin away from this glorious, awesome God that you are. Lord, remind us of the way back, that we would hear your voice, that we would turn away from where we are, repent, 
and come and follow you. Lord, the thief is coming to kill and to steal and destroy, but you offer to us life and life abundantly. The joy in you, the hope in you, the peace in you, the courage in you. This is what we need today, God. Lead our hearts to you. I pray even now as we close our time together, God, that this final song would be a song of worship and even prayer to you as we lift our hearts to you who is awesome today. Fill this place, God, with your praise. Be glorified now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.